Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. Hey there, how's it going? Hey, this is Wednesday and this is What You've Been Playing Wednesday. And uh, this is a special weekly episode where a bunch of us content creators come together and tell you what we've been playing recently. And on this episode, we have Meeple and the Moose, Board on the Air, The Meeple Dungeon, The Bridge City Board Gamers Community, and Cardboard Conjecture. And please take the time to have a look at the notes to check the links to the What You've Been Playing Wednesday cast. And as I always suggest, enjoy. Hello. My name is Alex, and I write board game reviews over at MeepleTheMoose.com, and I'm here to talk about the games I've been playing this week for What You've Been Playing Wednesday. It's been a tumultuous summer, catching colds and having routines shaken by friends traveling. On the flip side, I've had some friends come and visit over the weekends, which is lovely, but also takes up the time that I would usually spend writing or playing games or recording podcasts. Add to this, the summer heat drains me of energy. I had a few hours to myself this Sunday, so I pulled a couple of games out of my closet. Arkham Horror the Card Game, Flick'em Up Dead of Winter, and Wild Space. All of these are games I've been wanting to play solo for a while now. Each game, I opened the box, riffled through the unfamiliar components, opened the rulebook, and let my eyes roll down the page. I'd close my eyes, realize I didn't retain a single word, then just pack the game back up. Sometimes, an inspiration to play a board game solo just isn't there. But hey, now you have a sneak peek into the games I'll be talking about in the future. This week, the game we played was starting a new campaign in Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle-Earth. We embarked on the Shadow's Path campaign, which is the first big box expansion. Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle-Earth is a campaign adventure game designed by Nathan I. Hajek and Grace Holdinghouse, published by Fantasy Flight Games in 2019. In L-O-T-R-J-I-M-E, players cooperatively explore procedurally generated maps as dictated by the companion app. The app also doles out story and dialogue options liberally, and manages manages the enemy placement, movement, and behavior. The crux of the game is testing your skills against various checks. Very often you'll be asked to test a skill such as wit, wisdom, or agility, among others. Uh, And when you do, you have to draw from your personal player deck, which is a combination of basic cards that everyone has, character-specific cards, and class cards. As you play the game more and gain experience in a class, you can add more cards from that class into your deck. When you draw cards during a skill check, you're hoping to draw successes, indicated by the golden suns in the top left corner, or by fate symbols indicated by the Lothlorien leaves. The fate symbols allow you to spend an inspiration to turn one of those fate symbols into a success, often allowing you to turn a failed test into a success. The Shadow's Path expansion adds in five new characters, such as Gandalf and Arwen, five new classes to explore, new monsters based off the Moria and Mirkwood locations, and a slew of new titles and trinkets to collect, along with some new map tiles and terrain to explore. 
Nothing in this expansion seems to change the game in any meaningful way. The only new mechanic is corruption, which apparently could play a role in the story where choices may require a character to be holding corruption tokens in order to make a particular choice. As I mentioned before, this is a campaign game. Each session is a single adventure in the overarching story. In this campaign, we have myself, who's, who will play Arwen, the lethal dagger-wielding elf, my trusty sidekick Legolas, and rounding out the party is the noblewoman of Gondor, Eleanor, who is an original character who I think first appeared in Lord of the Rings the card game, also by Fantasy Flight Games. Our party is named the Luscious Locks, and we are keen to explore what, shadow, what Shadowed Paths has in store for us. The first mission of this campaign had Arwen slay spider after spider after she got cornered in a dead-end room, and it took Legolas three whole turns to investigate the wand dropped by the supplicant of Morgoth. Eleanor found a handsome elf stuck in a web who fled almost immediately after getting freed, then proceeded to make a bet that will culminate in a hat being eaten. Here's the summary. I like Lord of the Rings. I like cooperative games, and I like narrative-heavy adventures. I enjoy the level of customization of the player decks, and I enjoy how it feels like we're always narrowly dodging death. Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle-Earth is a slam dunk of a game for me and my group. I'm keen to keep the adventure going, and I'll be sure to report back on the misadventures of Luscious Locks. And that's all I played this week. If you want to read my board game reviews, you can find them over on my website, meepleinthemoose.com, or follow me on Twitter, at MooseMeeple. Have a happy Wednesday. Hi, I'm David. And I'm Jordan. And, they, and we are Bored on the Air, and this is What Have You Been Playing? For this week, we are going to be talking about... Get On Board. New York and London edition. This is the North American version of Let's, get, let's Make a Bus Route. Uh, this is a flip and write game. Uh, solid game by Sashi and Sashi. And in it, you're ever, the first player will flip over this ticket, and it's going to have a number 1 through 12 and a color. You're mainly looking at the color, because every board has its own reaction to that color car, token. Like Some of them you'll be able to put out one tile, other ones you'll be able to put out one with a bend, two with a bend, or yep. two straight, or three with double bend, so on and so on. The goal of the game is to make your bus route, of course, and you're going around the city picking up passengers, which can be tourists, grandmas who are apparently just wanting to ride the bus, uh, students, and business people. Yep. And then dropping them off at the locations they want to be, each yep. of them scoring differently. Yeah, you have a main board that everybody shares, and it's uh, a map. And you're putting out pe or wooden pieces like roads in Catan. And you're trying to go from point A to point B. Uh, everybody's got a card in front of them or a sheet in front of them that you're t keeping track of who you pick up and who you drop off. And there's some communal goals you're going after. And everybody's got a private goal of three locations that they have to hit. Uh, end of the game, everybody adds up their scoring. And the one with the most points wins yeah it was a nice it was nice and quick at, but it's also a little bit strategic because it's like you know somewhat what's going to be coming out for you but you're not sure when it's going to come out 
and you also don't know where other people are going on the board. Yeah. Because if you head some down a path that someone else has already crossed down, you're making more traffic, so then you have to cross off these things at the bottom of the board that can make you lose points. Yeah, traffic's bad, and anytime you're following up on a route or following up on a route that two people have gone, you're getting one piece of traffic for each... Previous bus. Each bus route that's already gone through there. Uh, it's solid. I wouldn't say it's my favorite of the flip and right, roll and right genre, but it's in the top, you know, 10%, top 15%, I would say. Yeah, and it has a nice table presence compared to some other roll and rights where it's, you just see people flipping cards like, okay, that's interesting. Well, and there's some interaction there where a lot of flip and rights and a lot of roll and rights, it's, it's solitaire. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not interacting with anybody at the table. Some board game or some of them try, like cartographers, where you're handing the next you're bored to each other when you get a monster out there. But this one, yeah. you're actually you're all playing on the same board, and your individual board is you're just keeping score, plus the twelve tickets at the top, which are there. There's six different things you can do. They're different on each board. Mm-hmm. So what I had, what you had, what Shay had, and what Mum had were all different when the number 12 or the 8 flipped over. Yeah. So it, it adds an interesting twist there. Uh, and or graphically, it's got a... Oh, what's that style? It's sort of a newspaper-y style. Yeah, sort of like the entry credits for like uh, Monsters Incorporated. Monsters Inc., yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this one has been very popular for a long time. A lot of people have brought over the import game, import version of it. Uh, I was, we were lucky that the North American version finally hit here, and we were able to grab it and play it. Uh, yeah, really solid game. Uh, if you like flip and rights and you like something with a little bit more interaction, I think this is a good option for people. Yeah, and it can go two to five. We played with four, and there's two different maps depending on how many players you're playing with. Yep. Like, Two and three, you're on New York, which have some sections that are always traffic heavy. Yeah. So if you ever go onto them, you have to mark off a bus. Yeah, it's, it's a tighter map. We haven't yeah. played it yet, but it looks like a lot more you're going to be tripping over each other. Well, that's because it's meant for two or three people. Yeah. Yep. And then the London version is for four or five. Uh, four was busy as is. I think five would be a blast. But yeah. You, there's going to be a lot of, uh, lot of traffic that you're taking. Yeah, but it's not the end of the world taking traffic, really. No, like, none of us lost a bunch of points doing it. No, like, uh, the most someone lost was, like, four. And yeah. And I, I lost five by messing with my uh, traffic placing. Yeah, exactly. So it's... Because, yeah, so if you get... If you flip over a ticket and it's not what you want, you can, you know, use a, a modifier, basically, to ter- change it from say, three straight to two straight in a turn, right? And you're deciding which way it turns. You're not putting a Tetris shape on the board. Yeah. And you're always going from the last place spot because it's a bus route. You can't yeah. just be like, oh, I'm over here, and now suddenly I'm back and gone this way. Yeah, think snake. So if you do come back on where you already have been, you your lose. game ends. Yeah, you lose, and you don't even get the score. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it would be really hard to do that, and you would have to really, really mess up to do that. Or put yourself in a corner and not pay yeah, attention. Yeah, you, you can bury yourself in a corner, and but it's... Yeah, you, you have to really not be paying attention for that to happen. You're going to do it eventually. 
I eventually, I probably will, yes. <laughs> okay, I'm David. And I'm Jordan. We'll talk to you next week. Hello, everybody. It's Rob and Anna Marie from the Meeple Dungeon. Hello. And we are back again recording for the What's Been Playing Wednesdays podcast. We have one game to talk about this week. What game is that, Anna Marie? That game is Skull, designed by Hervé Marley, mm-hmm. um, art by Thomas Vorchet, and published by Lui Même. Ultra France. And I apologize, yeah. that was butchered. <laughs> yeah, Skull. This is a very cool small box game um, that just consists of basically uh, coasters. Yeah. And really nice fancy coasters. Yeah, the whole premise of this game is a whole is a bluffing game where you have a stack of coasters given to you, and on those coasters are going to be flowers and one yeah, three flowers and one yeah, skull. Three three flowers, one skull. On on the on the side that you can see. On the back yes. side, they got nice pretty designs. Every every person gets a different color. Yeah, so there's like a purple the, color, red color, green color, and so on. Yeah. And you are it's this is a very, very simple game where you are gonna take your stack of coasters and you are gonna play one of those coasters face down, whether it's a flower or probably, a skull or a skull, perhaps. And everyone's gonna lay one down. And then whoever started the round is going to decide whether or not they want to play another down (laughs) or do a challenge. And what they're going to do is they're going to, if if they're going to play one down, they're simply going to play another disc out of their hand. And then whoever's to the left of them gets to do the same and so forth and so forth and so forth. Um, And the first person to challenge is going to reveal coasters. They're going to pick a number. They're going to say what they challenge. Exactly. So a safe four yeah okay we're playing a five player game and i decide i'm going to reveal four coasters first thing i have to do is reveal my entire pile yes so if you would only if there if it had only gone around one round and you only put down one coaster you have to reveal I yours reveal my first one. if it had gone around twice you'd have to reveal both of both yours of first yes and then i would have the decision of picking an additional two coasters yes so you, what you're trying to do is flip over coasters, revealing only flowers. Yes. You don't want to reveal any skulls. So if I knew I laid down two rounds of coaster of coasters that were flowers, yes, and I called four, <laughs> yeah. I could then flip over my two, and I would have two flowers, and then I would decide between the other, say, three players, of which I want to flip over some coasters and 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 hopefully land some set or some. Flowers, flowers. So, not skulls. Yeah, when you're flipping everybody else's, you don't have to do their entire stack first like nope. you do yours. You can pick one from one player, one from another player, one from another yeah. player. You just always have to flip all of yours first. So don't be like me and play your skull first and then no, bid two. don't do that. Because <laughs> then you reveal <laughs> Wrong a skull choice. and then you're kind of out for the round. <laughs> On um, the first round of the yeah. game. <laughs> so if you were like me, you would play down and say two flowers and then you'd get to the end of the second placement sort of phase and say yeah no i'm going to challenge for four and then you would take down well actually the person to your left would then have the option of challenging for five yep or passing yes and so if they wanted to challenge for five then you're kind of 
Boom. It goes around the table, right? Yeah. The next person can bid six and then seven if you yeah. want. Yeah, and then uh, it's it's that simple. It's going to ch- up up the ante yeah. or pass. Yeah. And so if no one ups the ante and they everyone passes, then you get to go for it. And you get to reveal your stack, say it was two. And I've got flower, flower. Okay, perfect. I need to reveal two more coasters within the three of you that are hopefully flowers. Yeah. And if they are flowers, great. Then I get to flip my little coaster board thing face up, and I've got a shiny flower, meaning that I'm halfway to victory. Yes. If I had messed that up, then I... How does that work? Then you flip over um, a skull. Right. right? Then I, I'm kind of going the opposite. You, you just don't flip anything. If you... No, if you... If you did it wrong if you if you ended up flipping a skull over you don't get to flip your coaster over to the flower side you just you have to take one um so one oh, of the that's one right. of your other players randomly chooses one of your coasters yeah. and that it is out for the rest of the game yeah so and now so you're every, down to three every coasters. time you lose you're going down a that's coaster right. and it so, gets it yeah, gets so pretty. you want to make sure that well you want to be as close to making sure as possible as you can that you're making the right choice but it's this is where the fun bluffing comes in because that i mean i i unintentionally bluffed so (laughs) i i totally forgot i had put my skull down first in this one game i played and i and i it came around to me again so i had two coasters and i was like i challenge two and then it went around and people were passing and then i realized in my head i started had this like panic i was like oh no i played a skull and I was like, please bid three, please bid three. Mm-hmm. And then the last person right before me challenged bid at three, three. And I was like, yes. Yeah. And of course they picked they picked mine. So they unloaded their whole stack and then yeah. they went over to yours and said, oh, I'm going to go for Anna Marie. And it was a skull. Yes. Yeah. So then they end up uh, having to discard at random one of their coasters yeah. at pull by someone Whoever, at the table. Yeah. yeah. And then they're only down to three coasters. Yeah. That's exactly right. So that's that's the premise of the game is you kind of want to be um, the last man standing, and it's it's very interesting. It's mm-hmm. the, there's a lot more going on than you would think in this game. Yeah, there's more game here than there deserves. Yeah, to be. it's 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 very <laughs> like, yeah bluffy and uh, just thinky. Where it's like, oh, did they do only flowers or just do they have a skull in that stack somewhere? Yeah, I know I don't have any skulls, so I'm gonna I'm gonna call three, and I only have two in my in my stack, so I'm gonna get rid of both of those. Those are both flowers, and then I gotta pick one of you to flip over the top one, not just anyone, but the top coaster from your yeah. stack, and pray that it is a flower. And if I do, I'm halfway to victory. If I can do that again. I'm going to win. Yeah. So it's basically if you can succeed twice in calling the amount of flowers out there, you can win. The and it's game. fun succeeding to, like first early because then you can keep like however you play the game, but you can keep putting flowers and then you try to bid to try to get other people to bid. But then like, oh, I put a I put a um, a skull, but they're like, but I can't let her do it or else she's going to yeah. win because she's already flipped once. And so it's such an interesting game. There's a lot more going going on here than you would anticipate. Highly recommend it. Yeah, it's not. It's inexpensive. Yes, it's a great game for multiplayer. It's a great party game. Super good skull. 
Um, we have one more thing to chat about here quickly is that we on our next episode of the Meeple Dungeon Podcast is going to be episode 40. 40. And we are going to be doing a triple header review. A rapid review. Rapid review in this episode where we're going to be reviewing three games. Yeah, you called it the hat trick. The hat trick. Yes, what did I call it? Triple header. Yeah, the, the hat trick <laughs> rapid review episode, episode 40, where we are going to be... Um, Maybe we just give it a really long, obnoxious name. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be reviewing Scope, Stalingrad from Zacatris and Draco Ideas. We're going to be also reviewing uh, Caper Europe from Keymaster Games. And then a brand new Kickstarter that just, just, just delivered. So, you've been eaten from Ludi Creations. Yeah. We are going to be reviewing all three of these games in episode 40. So, uh, check that out. And that will be on all your major podcasting sites in the next week or so. Yeah. So we are going to see you next week. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Cheers. See ya. Bye-bye. Hey there, this is Norm from the Cardboard Conjecture Podcast and Bridge City Board Gamers here in Saskatoon. And speaking of Bridge City Board Gamers community, let's see what they've been playing. Let us start off with Hans. Uh, <laughs> Terraforming Mars, that, that just gets stamped in stone. Uh, twice as clever, Dwellings of Elderval, or Vale. Uh, Carnegie Guild uh, of Merchant Explorers, that's pretty clever. And Targi, uh, I oh uh, yeah, I've I've not played many on this list. Uh, I've Terraforming Mars, uh, Targi. Uh, that's Gonshon Clever. I've played that one, yeah. Uh, Carnegie, I've just picked this up recently, and and I've played uh, oh geez, probably five plus games solo. And uh, yeah, Xavier George, one of my favorite designers, uh, has kind of done another, uh, you know, pretty solid game as far as uh, what I like that he does of this game. So um, uh, yeah, great lineup, great lineup. Matt, uh, another light week for me, oddly enough. All three games are games that I learned and played at Jeffcon, and it's Arc Nova, Cascadia, and Project L. Uh, yes. Arc Nova, uh, I'm digging this. Uh, I'm digging this car drafting, engine building kind of joy of interconnectedness wrapped around a theme of uh, yeah, cons- like uh, uh, um, stewardship, uh, conservation, uh, and you know, just straight out uh, learning some interesting things. Uh, yeah, there's a great connectivity if you like that kind of uh, uh, tableau building game. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Cascadia, oh, Cascadia, one of my favorite games of that year. And uh, it is uh, a solid abstract puzzle, two layers of abstract puzzle. One is in regards to the tiles and the areas that you're creating. And the other uh, is the habitation of those tiles by certain types of species and the patterns of, of that uh, uh, identification or, or area marking, I guess. So yeah, very cool, very cool indeed. And uh, the, and in both cases, the solo is awesome. Project L, I can't talk about it at all because I've never played it. But uh, few pe- I've seen it pop up a lot. Mike, K 
Caper is a quick little card drafting two-player game. Really nice component quality. Would definitely play it again. Dice Realms is a Dominion with, uh, but with card uh, crafting dice faces instead of building a deck. I really enjoy this one. Art is a little boring, but gameplay is fun. Super Fantasy Brawl is a one versus one arena battle game with a big miniatures. Ooh, yes. Hans's favorite. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, I really like it. I've been playing it a pile on Board Game Arena. Finally got my physical copy to the table. So nice, nice. I don't have to expand at all. Mike, you did a fantastic job describing the games that you've played. I've not played any of them, and they all sound interesting to me. So cool. Jeff, German Railways. Yes, because the, the big box edition came out, and uh, it is no longer a unicorn that uh, that a, a year of game that requires over a hundred dollars. So yeah, they you know nice. Abandon all artichokes. Nice card game. Ten again, a good game. Dwellings of Eldervale and Carnegie. Uh, yeah, those are all great games. Um, the uh, oh yeah, German Railways. It uh, I think it's on BGA. So if you're if you're akin to that. And you want to get some practice in, you could go to BGA and try it out. Cody, getting stars of uh, Akarios to the table for a few sessions and enjoying it. I've never heard of that. I'm going to make a little note and go check it out. Thank you, Cody. Jonathan, uh, am off work this week, but also have been sick. So I've played... Uh, around 10 games of Zombie Kids <laughs> Evolution uh, with my seven and five year old, and I got it from $10 from Amazing Stories. Open box sale, but everything was untouched, and it's really fun so far. Yeah, um, uh, that is such a great game. Uh, Matt from Scorpio Masque uh, had uh, talked about it and suggested it in our discussions, and uh, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, such a fun game, and uh, it, it uses standard, you know, board game uh, mechanisms, and uh, but does it in such a manner that uh, you can include uh, a wide age level. So right on, and uh, yeah, if you didn't get it, if you didn't get involved in that uh, amazing stories blowout uh, <laughs> uh, ding and dint, and we've got too many sale. Uh, there's I picked up a I picked up adrenaline. And Adrenaline is such a fun kind of first-person shooter game. So, yeah, well done, well done. Lean, Battle for Hogwarts, Gloomhaven, and Tavernia. I've never heard of Tavernia. Battle for Hogwarts, yeah. Yeah, I think that, uh, I haven't played that one. I've played the, uh, wait, no, I have played Battle for Hogwarts. Uh, there's the other um, uh, uh uh, card battle one-on-one uh, -on -one games that I've not played but yeah that one I, if that's the one I'm thinking of it goes through the books and you have like seven uh, uh, kind of campaign sessions to go through as you uh, fight for control of Hogwarts so right on uh, Ryan Russian railroads with the German railroads expansion and abandon all artichokes uh, and 10 nice 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 Tim uh, I can't see what it is. He's got a picture, a couple pictures here. Terraforming Mars is one of them. And I see, oh, I think it's uh, the, the uh, Warhammer one. Age of Sigmar, I believe, with the big miniatures. 
That looks awesome. And Dan to Ishtar is game night with some friends. Uh, we'll try Hidden Leaders for Sale Otorama Deception M-I-H-K. Maybe some Blood on the Clock Tower. Wow, those are all games that I um, have fringely heard of. So that is awesome. That is so, that's, I, I love it when I get to see games uh, or, you know, people talking about games that I've not heard of yet. So that's fantastic. Well, that's a great lineup for the Bridge City Board Gamers community. Well, as far as what I've been playing recently, what you've been playing, Norm? Uh, I've been playing, as mentioned, um, the first one, yeah, Xavier George Carnegie. Uh, published by Quinn Games and art by Ian O'Toole. Uh, I, <laughs> I always I always love mentioning uh, when there is art of a standard of excellence. Uh, and there's I, I believe if you look back in our episodes, you we talk about uh, we talk about some fantastic uh, artists in the board game industry. So Carnegie, I'll give you a, um, a, they've got a great little kind of paragraph description. Of, uh, of what you what you know what's going on so uh, obviously Carnegie uh, the the individual um, you know like uh, uh, from uh, this uh, the states where there's a, a library Carnegie libraries uh, Carnegie Hall right for arts so a philanthropist and a lot of money was uh, was uh, given out so um, I, I mean you could get into the details of of, uh, of the individual but we're talking about the game um, and uh, so the game is this idea uh, of a map of North or map of uh, the United States with all the cities, like a ticket to ride kind of map with all these interconnected lines. And uh, you have all of these uh, um, uh, areas of, of uh, philanthropy, donations, foundations that you can bequeath wealth to. So, like I said, during the game, this is read from the description, during the game you will recruit and manage employees, expand your businesses, invest in real estate, produce and sell goods, and create transport chains across the United States. You may even work with important personalities of the era. Perhaps you will even become an illustrious benefactor whose contributions to the greatness of his country through deeds of generosity. So this is, uh, yeah, uh, area movement. There's connections. Uh, the, 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 the whole system drives off of your player tableau where you have your, um, uh, I guess, your, your business building. And these buildings have these offices. And there is a meeple uh, uh, kind of like action, action selection system that is um, very familiar to uh, another Xavier George game I have called Royal Palace, where these meeples will move on a grid in rooms of the palace that are actions. And that uh, system, as I can, it's here, right? I mean, you can, I can see the DNA um, of uh, that game in this game. And uh, that was one of the unique things I thought about Royal Palace uh, was that idea of, of uh, um, engaged and disengaged uh uh, employees, meeples, actions, right? Uh, so yeah, I had such a good time. And also too, there's a, not that it's gadgety, but it's another way to demonstrate uh, a little more depth or tracks, I guess, because Euros love their track systems. And in this case, the track, there's four tracks and, uh, but they're not on the board. They are 
um, sliders that are in the uh, center of your uh, um, office building, double-layered uh, um, uh, player tableau. And uh, they slide out as you invest and progress uh, in your industry, and they reveal um, tokens that go onto the board to designate um, designate your growth of industry. So, uh, I, yeah, I am I am so fired up with this game that uh, it's driving me to uh, want to talk about it in great detail. And uh, there's going to be a review. There will be a review coming up about this one. So, yeah, Carnegie Xavier George. Um, uh, okay, before I forget, those uh, the the cool thing. Uh, another cool thing with this game is the end of game bonuses are those um, areas that you bequeath or that you invest, uh, um, uh, um, you know, donations to, and uh, those become your end of game bonus point conditions that you can develop during the course of the game, or and also watch others develop and maybe get in the way and take away some of the uh, um, areas or uh, types of uh, investments or types of buildings that uh, they need to up their bonuses. So there's a little bit of, you know, nudging and getting in the... It's that whole Euro conflict where it's very passive-aggressive. I got there first, right? Um, so, yeah, that's Carnegie. And uh, I'm going to switch games before I continue talking about it for so much more. Um, I want to quickly mention that uh, I, I got a taste of the T-Series with Zulkin, and uh, I, um, now again, I did not know that this was connected to the T-Series. I bought it because of the social studies history uh, bent on it. And I'm a huge fan of Mesopotamia and ancient civilizations. And I'm talking about Tabanusi, builders of Ur. And uh, of course, it had to be solo. And this plays solo. And uh, it is designed by... David Spada and Daniel Tassini, and published by Borden Dice. Uh, Borden Dice coming up with some very good, uh, heavy Euro uh, challenging games. And as I said, uh, Tabanusi is set in ancient Mesopotamia uh, during the time of uh, Ur and its development. And basically, you're building, you are constructing and developing uh, in such a manner the, 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 the map, which are, is five kind of different areas of Ur. Uh, there's three districts of development in, in traditional sense. Um, then there's the ziggurat, which are the, the step pyramids that the Mesopotamians are famous for. Uh, and in that area, those are, again, you know, bonus conditions or kind of uh, elements of mod manipulating and, and uh, awarding certain thresholds of the game. And uh, there's also, because of uh, um, Mesopotamia and the concept that it's, you know, the, the two rivers, as I think what its literal translation means, land between two rivers, that uh, there's going to be uh, shipping elements and, and harbor elements. And that is demonstrated very well in this game. Uh, now, it is... Uh, I, again, I, I mean, not to say things are heavy games. This one is complex. This one requires a lot of cognitive load <laughs> um, in, re in regards to uh, getting the rule set down. The, even the solo play has a detailed process. And again, uh, nothing of this is bad. It just requires 
more attention to uh, the details of learning this game correctly. And once that, I mean, like, I mean, I talk about Mage Knight the same way, right? I love that game, but it takes, there's, a, there's cognitive load going on. There's a lot of mental working memory required to maintain the rule set. And not only that, but to, uh, you know, see it develop in the game in front of you. Or actually, <laughs> sort of like lucid dreaming. It's, it's happening, but maybe you can influence this game a little bit in your favor. So, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm good. Lucid gaming, that's my next thing. Yeah, I'm just going to stand and watch it like a dream. And <laughs> maybe I'll win and maybe I, you know, uh, the dice hate me. So uh, this one is a very cool game. Uh, as far as uh, how you select your choices, because you have two meeples and there's a boat with dice involved that are designate to the different areas. And you have to, um, it's like a one step ahead. You have to, you have to uh, declare your next action, or not your next action, the next region where you will have four choices of actions. But yeah, that's you, you, you basically demonstrate where you want to go next. And then in the area that you have the remaining meeple, you do your two actions and then you have that one catch up to the, uh, to the, the, the point, <laughs> the person on point. Um, I, I'm enjoying this game. Uh, I, and I know that I'm enjoying this game because once I started work, you know, um, learning some other games, and uh, my back, the part of my brain that had that rule set was still wanting to explore the game. I mean, theoretically, in my head, I'm, you know how you sit there and go, oh, wait, I could have done this. Or I wonder if there's a connection between this and this. And, hmm, I, you know, that whole uh, uh, list of possibilities that you explore in your head as you're having a sip of coffee, uh, at least for me. <laughs> Um, so yeah, um, I'm quite enjoying it. I'm quite enjoying it a lot. So that being said, getting to the point of the show where I like to say thank you so much for taking the time to uh, listen what uh, we have to say about board games. And uh, also thank you so much to the ton content creators for uh, taking the time and uh, making this uh, special episode happen every week. Thank you so much. It is so appreciated. And that being said, keep your stick on the ice and take care out there, eh?